Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Goldilocks Productions presents Enlightening Conversations with Pam Silver Eagle. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. And I don't know about all of you who are tuning in and as we continue to get others who join us here on the perch and uh, my special guest, Fred, is getting in position. And so we're going to just all kind of breathe into this grounding and knowing that all is in divine order. And uh, for those of you who may not know me, I am Pam Silver Eagle. And uh, every Tuesday we gather here on the perch to have enlightening conversations that are centered in art space. And of course, uh, we hold this as sacred space. And so for all of you who join us now or at a time that's more convenient for you, we know that uh, time is fluid and uh, all is in divine order whenever it is you join us. So uh, I will always like to preface that I am on a mobile phone. And so uh, when we have viewers with us, many times the it's a little bit more challenging to interact. But we'd like to encourage you throughout this entire share today, if you have questions or things that you would like to share, comments, your own personal experiences, uh, wisdom and knowledge, please just place them up there. And we will, uh, I know that Fred and I will get around to uh, in, interacting and engaging with you in that way. And every once in a while, if Tiffany gets something up on the screen throughout the, our share, we will uh, try to entertain some questions as well. We've got a full show and uh, much to share. Uh, for those of you who tuned in last week to my show, I was out in the uh, out in the woodlands and brought you the the share uh, of the day from out there. And so my friend Fred here, who I'm going to introduce in just a second, is doing the same right now, getting in position, getting himself set up, and so. We know that while he does that and gets comfortable, and uh, 
to, if you can communicate with him perhaps and let him know uh, how everything's looking on his end, I would just like to talk a little bit about Fred. If you were, we're going to say nice things, of course. If you thought uh, Reverend Lee Chapin's show yesterday on Goldilocks production, Fred was her guest as well. Uh, Fred and I and his beloved Linda and Joanne, we were all together recently up at Panama Rocks and had uh, an amazing, fun, joyful day, but also did some really important ceremonial work. And so I said to, I was feeling the call at that point to invite uh, Fred to be with me. And perhaps one day we'll get Joanne and Linda on as well, because we uh, certainly have a lot to share between uh, the four of us and lots of different experiences in our gifts, taking gifts, skills, and wisdom that comes through and how we're all contributing, uh, each of us, yet collectively at this time, is such an important time of this great awakening and co-creating the new earth here is, uh, as, we, as we flow and as we So, Fred, hi, Fred. Hello, Pam. Good afternoon <laughs> or good morning to whatever time zone you're in. That and, is right. Thanks for uh, welcoming me and uh, that nice intro and having me on your show today. Glad to be here. Well, I'm and I'm appreciate it. And again, I'm I can really appreciate you getting set up there in the land because I know what that's like. And yet, how special because it's very um, original, very unique. And those of us who are Earth guardians and stewards, uh, the way showers, we work in this way. And so I I very much appreciate, as I know many of our viewers will as well. Let me just speak a little bit about uh, Fred Mayer, and then we're, we'll take off from there. So uh, Fred comes to us today as a teacher, musician, and sound healer, an organic farmer, and plant intuitive. His teaching experiences started in 1977 in remote communities in Alaska, where Fred began training young musicians, organizing community music events. And choir all over the United States. Perform on violin, viola. Did I say that right? Viola? Yeah, that's and, right. All right, and percussion, composing for ensembles for all sorts of uh, earning women. Sorry, let me back up. And percussion, composing for an ensembles of all sorts and earning four degrees in music, including a PhD in music education. 2012 and 2013, he focused, uh, turned his focus more towards sound healing, studying with Fabian Maman, yes? Maman, and, mm -hmm. Maman and Terry's Unsoul. Uh, and that was at the, is it Tamadu Tama Academy? Yeah, Tamadu Academy, Tamadu. Wow, Tamadu? Yep. Academy for Sound, Color, and Movement in Switzerland. And later continue with Eileen McKenzie's training in biofield tuning. And so Fred's uh, shamanic healing practices have uh, expanded. And he also, upon a, there's so, so much Fred has done and experiences and study. And the, as a way shower, I would also like to say that in addition to the music world, Fred owned and operated a small-scale organic farm for 11 years in the Ozark Mountains of Arkansas. He grew staple foods and medicinal plants on a no-till permaculture 
and uh, which is a model for markets, restaurants, and beyond. So you're going to just kind of dip in sharing uh, some of some of that and just see where we're flowed to go with the rest of the share. So Fred, honored to have you here, my friend. Good. Thanks for the nice intro. And I actually did all that stuff. <laughs> didn't make it up, huh? <laughs> no, I didn't make it up. I'm still doing it, too. <laughs> right on. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's a really important time for reflection, I feel. I'm doing a lot of it myself because, you know, we have accomplished an awful lot uh, this lifetime alone, each of us. And collectively, it's just fun when we meet up with other souls, that, uh, soul tribe members, or just, uh, you know, brothers and sisters who are walking similar paths and realizing what our souls said yes to and we're in this gateway of great change. Uh, yes, all of our mother and humanity, for each of us collectively. And I think it's really important to go back and honor and reflect what we've accomplished, you know, what we've learned our, through our experiences as we're moving forward. You know, what do you think about that? I often wondered earlier in my life if I would ever take time to reflect. Um, Maybe others have experienced the notion of being in action so much of the time because we feel like there's so much to do and so much to needs to be done and uh, things that we want to accomplish. And now that I'm not as young as I used to be, <laughs> um, things have, in COVID has um, kind of cause a situation where we can take the time without worrying about a lot of other things that must be done or have to be done or that we are initiating because it's, uh, it's not the time to do that. Uh, it's time to take time to reflect. So um, I find myself um, and notice also with some of my other friends and colleagues and contacts that we're taking this time now to take stock of what we have done and do, in my case, share and teach even more, often there's there's more value in teaching the thing as there is in actually doing the thing itself. And the notion of um, empowering people with whatever information or experiences that we can share with them is, uh, is feels like then, uh, you know, a, a, a progressive step that that um, I'm stepping into right now and I, and I see others doing the same. And at the same time, I see uh, a tremendous amount of startup happening. So I yes. know that uh, I'm in just a different part of the phase of it all. And um, I'm happy to observe all of it going on in all its different, uh, all its different phases and manifestations at this very moment. Yeah, you know, uh, well said. And, you know, fair to say most of us, many of us have grown up in family units, cultures, belief systems that really didn't encourage or just foster us into this reflection and acknowledging, you know, where we've been and what we've accomplished and, and even looking at the, uh, the lessons that weren't so easy and yet so important to get us to where we are in the now moment. So uh, you're right, this uh, whole global reset is given everyone an opportunity. And of course, if we will, everyone chooses to 
do things differently or in how they are in their beingness, but certainly, um, and it's hard to crack open wide and give it the opportunity to step into this oneness. We're being blessed with the sacred element of air. <laughs> yes, I am being blessed with the sacred element of air where, where Dom and the sylphs had blown some of my notes away. So. <laughs> How cool is that? All right, cool. All right, I'm back. Well, just gonna release anything that wants to go. Fred's, Fred's bringing us the, that nice breeze. I've got a lot of it here as well. So just kind of opened up today with take a breath and release. We can continue to do that until Fred comes back on the screen. But what I'd like to say, both Fred and I have been uh, teachers on. Uh, various levels of public education. Uh, I know Fred has done some, I believe, at the collegiate level and his his amazing work with music, with orchestras, and we'll see if maybe he wants to speak to that a little bit. But, uh, you know, as we're now teaching on new platforms and uh, moving out of systems and structures that maybe confined us. And, you know, so again, as we're all shifting into the new, and we take these courageous, many times not easy steps uh, we stay in our truth, and then we draw to us others who are resonating, and we get to gather and have these fun uh, coming togethers, and whether it be sacred ceremony. <laughs> My tablet's blowing across the table, too. There's some truth blowing through right now. But uh, one of the other things that Fred and I share in common, and really what I'd say is Fred and I have uh, only had two times uh, where we've actually been physically been in each other's presence. One was in Sarasota with uh, Reverend Lee Chapin and I were doing a offering a sacred teaching and uh, the Ascended Masters down at the Cosmic Center. We give a shout out to uh, Reverend Elizabeth down there and Sharon Elizabeth. And also uh, just the other day up at Panama Rocks, like I said, we just a really special place that I've shared a, a good number of photos and experiences. And I had Reverend uh, Tiffany White Sage woman on with me a couple weeks ago. We were sharing about some of those frequencies and the ceremony I was doing that really helped uh, get us get the land and the energies prepared for what uh, Linda and Joanne and Fred and I were doing a couple days ago. And so as Fred and I were talking and we recognized that we're both these earth guardians and deeply connected to earth mother and all of her kingdoms, as well as the celestial. And so we thought we would share some of that today. And um, I have been a co-creator of the Earth Care Ministry down in St. Petersburg, Florida, out of uh, First Unity and spiritual community. And uh, we've done a lot of good work there. So when I was telling Fred, you know, that our, our focus was to uh, start small with how do each of us in our daily walk, how do we become more responsible and shifting how we're living in a much more green way to we know earth mother is strong and she's ascending and she can heal herself and doing mighty purging across the land now with the fires and the, the rains and the tornadoes and all the storms this is all part of these lower uh these lower frequencies being cleared out so we can bring in that is all of love and peace and joy um so we have to, we can sometimes be overwhelmed and say, well, how can I as an individual 
make such a difference in such a large world? Well, we are called to, within our everyday walk, be that change, to be the love, to be the light. And so are we recycling in our homes? You know, are we seeking ways of doing, <clears throat> excuse me, green, uh, green energy, you know, so the uh, solar power or the wind power, the wind farms that are starting to be utilized more and more. And uh, when Fred gets back on, and I'm trusting you will, talk to us some more of his expertise with the permaculture. And, uh, you know, many of us are really remembering and getting clear that we've come at this very pivotal time as where all the old systems are collapsing, collapsing so that we can co-create this new earth. And a big part of that is, you know, the basis is oneness where everybody thrives and we live in love, divine love and the, uh, the Christ consciousness, oneness. And as Native Americans would teachings go way back to this is the great web of life. And uh, ta-da. <laughs> there Thank is. you. Yeah. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you for getting me switched back on. Thanks. Yeah, so, uh, very much so. I've been able to hear what you've been saying, Pam. Um, okay. Yeah, so true with, um, um, you know, with our opportunity to, you know, to uh, to engage with the earth in, in much more earth-friendly ways, um, less destructive, more living in oneness with what's going on. And um, permaculture, you know, is, is, is one of the – just one of many different ways. Um, then our, our native brothers and sisters that that uh, whose land we are honored to be on at this time and up here in the Finger Lakes. This is the home of the Iroquois and the Seneca and the five tribes that formed the Iroquois for Federation and the their ancestors. And so they call this area the hand of God in that it's as if God took his hands and scraped the earth and created these lakes. So um, uh, it, it, it's appropriate that, um, that uh, Patricia Cota Robles had <laughs> excuse me, an affirmation today that started out with, I am the hand of God, speaking that each of us has our, uh, is, is the, a, a useful tool in creating heaven on earth. So uh, at some point I have that uh, affirmation down here and written. And if it's something we want to share with everybody online today, I think it would be a wonderful thing. So, so do you want to talk about permaculture a little bit? <coughs> we do. Okay. So, so why don't you maybe just start out by telling us kind of how you uh, obviously, you know, as a soul being connected to Earth Mother, how did you really kind of step into the expansion of where you're at today with permaculture? Good question. Um, many of the opportunities that have come up in my life have been as a result of what I call fear busting. That is, there's something that holds me back that I'm afraid of, that I decide to figure out how to step through that. And one of the fear-busting ideas uh, that came to me mm, about 15 years ago was, can I gain the knowledge to grow enough food to sustain myself? 
And because um, uh, I wanted to be able to do that in case we were in a situation like similar to what we are today, where self-reliance and having those skills to benefit yourself and those around you might be more important. So um, in a meditation, um, I, uh, it came to me that I was going to be moving to northwest Arkansas. And I didn't know where, but if you had loaded into a dart all of the things that were in my checkbox, like I wanted to be in the south, but I didn't want to be like I want some altitude so it wasn't so darn hot. And I wanted to be someplace where there was a music scene and I wanted to be a place where there was good water and where I could have a farm. If I loaded all that in the dart and I threw it in the map of the U.S., it would have landed in northwest Arkansas on the Eureka Springs Berryville area. And so that's where we went didn't right know a soul. Mm-hmm. So um, as the story continues, I apprenticed with um, uh, uh, an organic farmer named Patrice Gross, who was a Frenchman who had immigrated to the U.S. several decades earlier and had a similar kind of experience where he wanted to learn how to, to, um, to, uh, to produce food, organic, really high quality, nutrient-dense food on a, on a long-term basis. So um, Permaculture is easier or more challenging depending on which USDA agricultural zone you're living in. All right, so let me just kind of get the the rock hard piece of it. If you are in zone 10 down in Florida, permaculture is just an everyday way of life because you don't have any frost. Okay, things are just continually growing, and depending on what you plant, you will have a continuous supply of food. If you are trying to practice permaculture and you're in Minnesota, you have another set of challenges. And basically what needs to happen with permaculture is that um, you just need to keep an area of, um, of, of earth growing. And like my friend Patrice says, once you get control of a little piece of ground, never, let, never relinquish control of it. So either you have something that you are producing for food purposes or flowers, or you're in, you're allowing it to rest with a cover crop and renourish. So regardless of what uh, season you're in or what rotation you're in, you always have some sort of control and some sort of communication and agreement with the land. Now, let me back up a couple of steps. Would you think about, the immense diversity of plant life. And you think about the few plants that we actually eat, it's really less than 10 families of plants that we have cultivated because of our own taste. A lot of the wild plants aren't what humans find tasty. And those plants are quite virile. The wild plants are much more virile than, um, than the plants that we decide to eat. So when we decided that there were certain plants and certain plant families that we thought were delectable and delicious to eat, we came into an agreement with those plants. And here's the agreement. We like to, or like to raise these plants for our food source, but in doing so, we weaken their natural ability to thrive on, on their own. So the plant said, okay, we will produce this delicious, delectable food for you, but you have to take extra special care of us. And so that is how 
the vegetable uh, world from, from what we eat, what we grow, what we buy at the markets. That has, that has been the human-plant interaction. And there's a lot of plants that, that we can think of that have enormous connection with us. And Michael Pollan has written about this, especially about corn and how corn and humans cannot really exist in the same form without one another's um, interaction. So, um, so permaculture is about keeping a piece of ground under control. Now, here's something that's important to remember because we all have warmer and cooler seasons, regardless of where we are on the planet or rainier and drier seasons, as the case may be. Um, if you, um, let me see the best way to put this. I'm losing my train of thought for the moment. Uh, so, so as far as warmer and cooler places, if, if you can keep the, the temperature in such a way that things can maintain, then you can continue to, that's what permaculture is all about. A lot of people believe that, you know, once things hit 32, that, that plant life is over. Actually, there's life below 32. And the technique for using that, and, and really plants can tolerate 28 degrees, even 25 degrees, some plants. If you have three nights of 25 degrees, though, bam, your plants are, are you know, that are not frost tolerant are going to go. But there is life below 32. And we also know that there is a, a stable temperature in below the Earth's surface, and anyone who's been in a cave knows that. Doesn't matter whether you're in a cave in Arizona or you're in a cave in the you know in Canada. Once you get five or ten feet below the surface of the of the Earth, it's going to be 55 degrees. So as we know, heat rises, and so one of the ideas with permaculture is to trap that heat so that your plants don't sustain a freezing situation. So when I was in the Ozarks, the way I did that is I would plant a cover crop or I would plant something that's winter hardy, um, carrots, beets, spinach, some lettuces. There's a number of crops that are more um, uh, cold tolerant. And I would pack those in with whatever kind of uh, mulch I had. Sometimes I used straw. Sometimes I used leaf mulch. And often people will make these low hoops you can do that. I found if I just put two layers of cloth called a row cover, two layers of cloth over it, packed it in, then any time during the winter, and it got pretty cold. We would have some really, really cold streaks. I could still go out, pull my cloth back, pile through, and get fresh spinach, which is fresh chia or fresh beet greens, mm. or pull a beet out of the ground any time during the winter. So wow. permaculture has to do with making sure that your ground is going to be um, is going to continue to be growable. In any way that you can do that, it's fine. When you get further north, they have hoop houses that are solar powered, but they're maybe double paint. So depending on what zone you're in, and as, as I said, the higher the number, the hotter the territory. So in the U.S., we get you know up to well, like a lot of a lot of the U.S. is in zone five, six, and seven, and as you go further south, eight, nine, ten. So basically, that's that's the 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 fundamental tenet of, of permaculture as far as the actual growing of things. Um, there's more. So, you have any questions so far?
<clears throat> excuse me, not so much question, um, but I would invite if we have any uh, viewers that would like to post any questions for Fred, or, uh, specifically about the permaculture, uh, we invite you to do that. And I don't know, again, maybe Tiffany, if there's any that pop up, just help us to see them if you can. Um, Fred, what I was thinking of when you were speaking of zones and how you were saying in the different temperatures you could even still go down and get your beats or whatever i was thinking of the panama rocks where we were the other day right and how brilliant um, that's what of course the natives did in just naturally because that's what they knew and we saw some you know huge amazing crevices and caves amongst those rocks and you know the, the history tells how they would put their their meat down in those those crevices some of them you know 50 60 however feet deep and they would stay nice and cold through the winter and then into the summers up here in this, uh, you know, the uh, Great Lakes region, the New York State, up, uh, Pennsylvania area where I'm at. And uh, they just they they had to go along with the land, which, of course, many times also, and, you know, with the water supply was why there was so much migration of, amongst the original ones. But that space at Panama Rocks that we were in, we talked about how perfect it was just for um you know, security with you and you could just see just uh, in, an, in, a, in a fort and yet uh, provided so much food uh, with the animals and the nuts and the you know, beautiful trees and so forth and so on. It just naturally, it, so many of us are going back to those three indigenous ways. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. And, and when I lived in Southeast Alaska, and uh, I lived among the Haida and the Clinket and the, and the island archipelago, um, which is about an 850-mile archipelago of thousands and thousands of islands. Um, the native ways there, um, I mean, I always, I've always said this, that in terms of figuring out how to sustain yourselves and live on a sustainable way, the native people had it not only figured out, but they had it made. And um, uh, I, I mean, my 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 Clinket friends, you know, they, they would they would hustle, they would hustle, you know, starting late April, get their nets ready, and in May they would collect herring row, and they would net herring, and then in June they went halibut fishing, and they would dry their halibut, and in July the salmon run, they would dry all their salmon in September. They would collect more berries. In October the winds blew, and they just went back into their, their, uh, you know, their longhouses, and they made art all winter long. And so, yeah, I mean, wow. They, I mean, it was wonderful how you know uh, sustainable. And the, the, the biggest concern was. Could I throw the, a bigger pot latch, uh, you know, which is a, a party wedding, whatever? Uh, Can I throw a bigger pot latch than the last chief? You know, you know so, that's, it's, it, and the beauty of it is, it's we, you know, we got so sideways wonky with into modern day where we're at now, and that's really the call. I mean, we've, you know, just the way we've been against each other. And the way we've been working against the land as a as a whole, and toxicities, and then the uh, as the population grows and the demand for faster and faster, and so then we have you know all the the chemicals and the you know antibiotics and all the, all the stuff to mass production, big big money, big money, 
And obviously, this is what all is collapsing now. And it hasn't served us for our health individually. It's uh, certainly, you know, Earth Mother just amazes me. She continues to agree to uh, support us and hold us and in the midst of her ascension. And as, as you know, motherly love would be like, okay, children, we've got to change our ways because I can, I can, uh, myself and the land and, and the cycles will continue. And yet, is this really how we want to continue onward? So it's all part of, you know, this more simple life. Tuning in what is so important and bridging, bridging those those uh, generations. You know the, the wee ones, the short-legged ones, with the middle ground and the elders. You know, and like you were saying, in, in the winter time when the clans would have to go in if they were in areas where the climate was such a uh, hibernation, they, they the arts and the sharing, the teachings, and the passing down of tradition and that that was the richness which you know many of us remember living other lifetimes and that's what you know we're our souls are calling us i feel our hearts are calling us to be in that way again yeah i i, I definitely agree and um uh it's especially brought home now when the things that the activities or the ways of thinking that you were engaged with in February, a lot of them just aren't possible now right. or have modified in such a way that, you know, you gotta, you gotta roll with it one way or another and make those kind of adaptations. So, um, yeah, the, the, the earth is really kind of calling out and I find it interesting that some of the scientific research that has continued over the last six months has, has shown us how quickly that, that mother earth can regenerate herself yes. when, when the humans aren't messing with it right in on. ways that are not beneficial. So, um, you know, there's, uh, there's some friends of mine who have a, who have a song. I play music with these guys. And one of them is, uh, uh, about, uh, you know, if we left the Island we would just let nature take over and in a couple of years, we wouldn't even recognize the places down in Florida in particular where, things grow so quickly when there's, you know, abundant rainfall, warmth, and all the kind of growing conditions that, that promote, um, you know, to promote the natural environment that, um, that uh, is in its pristine state. So Absolutely. Is not, but it, it could get that way in a hurry if, if the humans decided to, uh, to evacuate. Right on. You know, just, yep. and we saw it, you know, time and time again during this, especially when everybody was really pretty much stay at home order, how the animals started coming back out and just like the land, you know, they're just kind of reclaiming their space to humans are taking away and all of our, and, uh, you know, then as started coming out of the, out of their homes and, uh, back into more movement, you know, and then we have these animals in places where people say, oh, they don't belong here and they want to move them or euthanize them and really, it's, it's a the cycle that plays out. So, again, so important, the coexistence and recognizing, you know, in our modern day world, how can we, you know, take all the damage we've done, including the massive number of buildings, you know, the high rises, the homes, you know, we've got so many structures sitting empty and yet so many people homeless. And, 
uh, there's such great balance. But I think the positive, one of the great positive notes is that, you know, many, many, many of us have, you know, really uh, gone deeper and deeper into our heart centers and really answering the call to how, how can I make a difference right here, right now? And, you know, letting go of the past and forgivenesses and starting at this point and moving forward. And with, you know, we've got, uh, again, with all the, so many of the youth, you know, they're so intuitive um, from the thirties, twenties and way down to the little ones. I've been around a lot of them uh, and they're so tuned in and I know that one of the things I'm being called to do, and, um, you know, I know that uh, I think you and I think Grant and I have talked about this, and Paul and I, that, you know, Spirit's bringing us these youngsters who who are seeking the guidance of the elders. And that's who we are. That's, you know, what we're here to do. So uh, this, again, is the coming together, the generations, and, um, you know, moving forward and creating this. Um, Fred, I would... I'm just I'm looking at the time. It always goes so quick. When we were talking about uh, this permaculture and, and spun off here into uh, the projection of the field of what's being impacted, how we're shifting, sustainable communities that many of us remember living in other lifetimes. And with Fred, Fred and uh, maybe I'd like to just say uh, been out in Shasta a lot and actually. Fred and Linda were two who had to kind of evacuate and, uh, to a different territory due to the fires, recent fires in Colorado. Right. So, Fred, you want to just maybe talk a little bit about Shasta and I you know, share that. And I have my great awakening uh, as far as the activations, initiations of Shasta and all that Shasta is. And uh, we can maybe talk just a little bit about Telos and uh, your experiences there. And then I would really love to still. Uh, have you treat us to some of your music with that beautiful meditation we talked about? Kind of get that all in. I think that would be good. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so as Pam said, um, I'm uh, I'm a, sort of a refugee at the moment from the fires in Oregon. I live in Ashland, Oregon, uh, Southern Oregon. It's about 15 miles from the Northern California border, and about an hour and 10 minutes from Shasta. So uh, Linda is down at Shasta probably once or twice a week, and I get down there probably two or three times a month. So um, Shasta, and it, it, what's interesting to me about Shasta is um, a number of things. First of all, it is it, it is a huge mountain. It's one of the it's one of the higher mountains in uh, North America, um, and but in sure in, in in terms of sheer size, just the base of it. So from all the way south in Redding, California, you're looking north and you see Siesta. And then all the way from the Oregon border looking south, you see Shasta. So that it's kind of like it reminds me of, of Denali, where people in both Anchorage and Fairbanks can see Denali in central and central Alaska. So um, Obviously, the, the, the Shasta Indians um, and all of the, the Native Americans in that area um, honored this mountain. And as they do, all hills, all rivers, they bless it and have uh, ceremony and uh, draw from and 
and pray to the, the power of the mountains and, and other natural features as well. Um, the other notion that um, about Shasta is, is the Lemurian notion that where the, those who left Lemuria to knowing that uh, it was all, the cataclysm was going to happen there uh, even 25,000 years ahead of time. And these are beings who lived a long time. They didn't have short lifespans like we have today. And so they went to Mount Shasta and established community below the mountain and now have risen there, have raised their vibration to uh, a level of, of, of fifth dimension that um, we are striving to be able to maintain that vibratory uh, frequency as well. And there, there are a couple of really good authors about uh, Telos, um, Aurelia, uh, uh, Aurelia Jones, Louise Aurelia Jones um, has written three books about Telos, and they're a great read, and they're very insightful. And the the person who is uh, sort of the great elder of Telos is, is a being by the name of Adama, A-D-A-M-A, -A, Adama. So in visiting Telos uh, and visiting Mount Shasta, I should say, there's a lot of really wonderful, magical places all over the mountain if you know where to go. Um, there's turnouts, there's trails, there's little waterfalls, there's heaps of rocks. One of the heaps of rocks is called Ascension Rock. And Ascension Rock is, a vol is volcanic rock. Everything in Chester is volcanic. All the mountains along the coast are volcanic. Uh, as the plate slid under, created heat, created volcanoes. So everything's volcanic. But the interesting thing about Ascension Rock is that most of the rocks right there are sonic. That is, and of course, being a musician, I'm always uh, looking for some way to, to play with sound. So you can actually tink the rocks and they have a resonance. So in order to enhance whatever kind of contact I, I could have with Telosians, uh, I did a couple of things in that area. One of the things is I would collect rocks together and I would make these lithophones, these stone xylophones that I would play. And I would really feel like Telosians came around and uh, were dancing and singing and enjoying whatever contact I could make with that. Another thing is I would make these aeolian harps out of a special uh, brand of 20-pound uh, 20 fishing line. And I was thinking, how am I going to do this? How am I going to string this up? And how am I going to, you know, because you can feel the wind draws, and so you want to put this line across these wind draws. So uh, in one of my early morning dreams, Adama showed me the technique for doing it where it was super, super simple, where I could keep tension on the line and uh, use gravity and put them in a windrow. So sprinkled around, <laughs> around uh, different sites around the mountain, you may hear a little bit of whistling of alien harps going, going on. And that is just, I did that just primarily to acknowledge uh, Tolosian culture and um, my desire to interact and be a part of that. And, um, and I always felt and when I would go to these places, I would set these things up and then I would just welcome whatever contact and I would just take a nap and just relax and just let whatever was going to come through come through. So that's how I use those areas. And there's a number of them. Uh, Panther Meadows is another wonderful place that has a, a spring coming out of it. And um, 
there's also Smith, uh, Smith Lookout, where we've done a lot of ceremony. But here's an interesting thing when you go to Shasta. When you get close to an energy board with a specific kind of plant that shows up, and it's the wild ginger plant. And so if you're looking for um, confirmation of sort of uh, higher spiritual areas, then when you see this plant start to show up, then you know that that's where that's where it is. So uh, once you see the, the wild ginger plant, what it looks like, or if you want to look it up in a in a plant book, um, then uh, you'll be able to see it. But it's a wonderful place. We've done a lot of ceremony. We plant a lot of crystals around there. Like I say, I go there and, and use it as a playground to interact with Pelosian energy. And uh, it's just uh, a wonderful place that every time you go there, there's the familiar and the new. Uh, it's such a huge area. There's just no way to cover it in a lifetime. Uh, but but it's worth trying. Yeah, that's right. Don't let that stop you. I, as you're speaking, and I've, of course, spent a lot of a good bit of time. Well, I was only I've only been out there once this lifetime. But, uh, spent a considerable amount of time down in Panther Meadows, and then up in that sacred space where the Native Americans still gather and hold ceremony. I had quite a couple, two, three, I don't even know how long, hours up there and just fully immersed. And that is where one of the great, you know, my activation and um, really, it was so, so powerful. I I can just, I feel the energy Chasta, you know, just speaking the words, crying all that it is. So lots of joy, you know, lots of joy. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. what do you have? Um, yeah. Wanna let's let's maybe move into then uh, this uh, you know this this grounding and this connecting that we we talked about and let you lead the, the way here. Well, what thanks, Pam. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I think that uh, uh, this is a time when uh, there have been connections that have been severed and new connections that have emerged and grown uh, with each of us, whether it's we've lost jobs or on the other hand, now we have more time to do something that's uh, more of our, our heart seeking. Um, we've lost contact with friends, but now we're creating situations that once that reestablishes that we have more to share. So I'm, I'm looking at the, the balance in, in, in all of this and um what what we can do now is uh, what I would like to do is is just lead uh, just a short meditation with connection. So what we're going to be doing is just getting centered and um, getting grounded and then um, getting our auric fields a little bit cleared out and then. Um, we'll see what kind of connections, um, well, ask, ask, ask some more about connection. I have some ideas when we get to that point, I'll share with it. So wherever you are, just realize that, especially if you're in North America, you are on native ground. And I wanna acknowledge and sanctify this ground that I am on right now, because this is deep in the Iroquois territory and I am honored to be here and I honor the waters around me and the trees and the native people who whose land 
I am now on, and I humbly thank you for allowing and me to, to give praise and acknowledgement to you at this time. And if you're anywhere in the U.S., you are on native ground. So if you would, just take a few moments and get yourself relaxed and centered. Take a couple of deep breaths. Make sure that your hands and feet are not crossed. They're and separated and put your feet on the ground or hands on the ground. Take a deep breath and focus, if you would, for just a moment on the soles of your feet. And imagine from the soles of your feet that you have roots that are reaching down to the crystalline center of the earth. And that silverish roots that are reaching from your feet down there and with the oversight of seraphim, Sandophone. As we move up to the white globe of our base chakra, and Archangel Gabriel, and then to also Archangel Gabriel is looking over our the pink center of our of our sacral chakra, creation, creativity, procreation. As we move up through our twelve chakra system to our navel chakra, again, Archangel Gabriel, and that golden yellow-orange ball that connects us with all other things on the planet. And as we move up to our solar plexus, Archangel Uriel, that connects us with all things outside of our universe as well. Move up to our heart chakra and the 33 petals that go from green to pink to white with Archangel Shemuel and Charity. We move up to our throat chakra with Archangel Michael, the blue vocal chakra. As we move up to the green chakra at our third eye, Archangel Raphael, and our crown chakra, Jophiel, and above our crown chakra, to our causal chakra, Archangel Christiel, and above that to our soul star, which is Archangel Mariel, and finally to Archangel Metatron and our stellar gateway. And we open our stellar gateway to receive pure source light as that comes pouring through the top of our gateway through our soul star down through our causal chakra, through our crown, into our third eye, and through our body, and all the way through all our throat chakra, heart chakra, down, solar plexus. We bring this white light, let it fill and scintillate all through our body, all the way down to our navel chakra, our sacral chakra, base. And when that brings that celestial energy into the earth, our whole body lights up. And it begins to clear the, the energy that's discordant and purifies the discordant energy in our physical body. It spreads out to our etheric body, mental body, emotional body. Any discordant energy is transmuted by this white light from source. As we breathe and expand into this, 
we feel that any parts of our DNA that need to be adjusted and upgraded, any epigenetic tweaks that need to be made, this white light is being allowed to do that within our bodies. If you would just take a moment and turn your attention to your heart. And for a moment, whatever notion comes in first, where you feel your strongest connection, whether it's to the earth, to another person, to an energetic form, to a place, a location, an object. And feel that connection and feel what you have exchanged with that connection, what it has exchanged with you. And bring to your heart another connection that might come to you. And then take a moment to ask your heart if there is a connection that needs to be strengthened. And touch in with that part that needs to be strengthened that you would want to have even deeper connection with. And merge with that, that notion of what it is that more connection will occur. And as you abide in that energy, allow your vision of how that unfolds to reach into your manifesting part of your, of your being and see that connection strengthening. Take the essence of that connection and bring that back into your body, into your heart. Allow it to expand in all directions throughout your auric field. And know that this connection is what you have asked to grow and to manifest in your life. And rest assured and feel certain that this will come to pass. And give thanks to that connection and all the connections that you feel. And hold this in your heart. And feel this expanding beyond your physical body, beyond your etheric body, beyond your mental body, beyond your emotional body, out into the ethers around you and to connect with all that is. When you feel this sending of this message out to be complete, 
Go ahead and take a deep breath. Send your gratitude to source, to all that is. Well, Mother Earth, to those around you, support you. And send special thanks and acknowledgement to your I Am Presence. That is your expression of your God self in physical form here on our planet. With another deep breath, exhale the reality of this manifestation, the realization of this manifestation returning to you. Give thanks. So as you breathe again, feel this energy returning to you. Feel your connections here to the planet, to your feet below you, to your fingers, your hands. And return knowing that these connections are your specific gift, your particular gift that you bring to share with all humanity at this time. And that you are blessed with that gift and it's yours to share. And we thank you. And so it is. So it is. Oh. Oh. Thank you, Pam. Oh. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Fred. Thank you so much. That was beautiful. Beautiful. And thank you to all who are holding space with us here right now and who will us in divine time. Ah, so, so good. It's just so gently kind of come back here into our awareness. And, um, we covered a lot of ground today. Fred, I want to thank you so much for being here with me on the perch. And I wanted to ask uh, if, if people would like contact you regarding any of your your uh, your gifts your your shares your uh, knowledge you want to a quick clip about what you might be willing to offer sure yeah the, the easiest way is um to fly me an email um you see my name at the bottom it's fred mayer so just make it all one string fred mayer and then add the letters phd at gmail.com so fred mayer phd at gmail.com you like to talk about permaculture, chickens, music, anything. Love to and chat with you and uh, uh, share uh, share uh, ideas. And I'm always learning and always happy to share. And you're uh, creating some instruments, right? Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and I guess we've got about a minute. So again, I guess the best way to reach out to Fred is he's obviously just a a wealth of uh, 
knowledge, wisdom, and so much love, so much to offer to all of us. So, uh, and for me, you can connect with me on my Facebook page at Pam Silver Eagle to see the services that I currently have up that I'm offering as far as my, my medicine, my energy sessions for energy, uh, for activation and upgrades at this time as our frequencies are shifting, as well as spiritual guidance and coaching uh, and in my local area journeys as wellness journeys i love to take people out and help them connect out on earth mothers so thank you all for being with us and again thank you fred i look forward to when we journey together again so blessings to everyone and have an amazing day and be the love be the light together thank you pam thanks everybody don't want the fun to end grab more refreshments then head over to the goldilocks productions youtube channel With the huge selection of shows, the fun doesn't have to end. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.